Hey listeners, thank you for tuning in to ICU Talks Here Voices. This is Kim. This is Dan. Danielle. And we have my favorite speaker. Who could it be? Who could it be? You're about to hear the greatest speaker in her head. It's Kim Honeycutt. So I hope you all enjoy the next 25 minutes. I hope you get to hear the truth that will set you free. Amen. Enjoy. So good. So good. So tonight really is part two of a talk that I started in the beginning of January when we had an ICU Talks event, and we called it Rejected to Accepted Jesus in Therapy. And so tonight, as you know, we're doing Rejected to Accepted Lost, and I'm going to beat you, Rhett. It's good to see you. I love you. You look great. It's been a while. How you doing? Everybody say hi to Rhett. Rhett almost opened a mint. So we know what happens when somebody opens a mint around me, right? Yeah, so you're redeemed in the name of Jesus. You're redeemed. So, so anyway, so we talked about, tonight we're going to talk about rejected to accepted, lost to found. And so the scripture that I talked about that last time is still very relevant today. And it's actually our benedictions, how we will close our service here tonight. And it's 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. And I'm just going to paraphrase it for you. It says, but you were chosen by God. Chosen for the high calling of priestly work. Chosen to be a holy people. God's instrument to speak out for him unto others in the night and day difference he made for you. From nothing to something. From rejected to accepted. And if I could add one piece of that, from lost to found. Which means from invisible to being seen by the God Almighty. And what I want to focus on tonight is the second word in this scripture, and that word is you. The word is you. You see, for us to really go from rejected to accepted, from lost to found, it means you have to realize this is really personal. The you in this scripture is you, and it's me. This is personal. If we're going to ever really understand that we are chosen to speak out for him. To be able to go and say that I've gone from being rejected to accepted like I have. The only way I can do that is understand that this is personal and the relationship with Jesus is intimate. You are the you in the scripture. And the thing that blocks us from letting it be that personal and that intimate is because we don't know how to receive. We can do service and we can give all day long, but we can't actually receive from our Heavenly Father. So the other scripture that we're going to talk about tonight is one that you already know. And that's John 19.30. And that's when Jesus, when he was on the cross, and he said, it is finished. In that moment, it meant everything that wouldn't let you realize this is you in that scripture was finished. It was done. That everything that would separate you from God and making that a personal relationship, that what Jesus did on the cross meant that was finished. But the only way to go from rejected to accepted, lost to found, nothing to something, is we actually have to receive his grace. We have to be able to know we are worthy of saying it is 
finished and be reborn. So I'm going to challenge us tonight to let this be really personal. Then we start having thoughts of, oh, I wish my neighbor was here to hear this message. I wish my husband was here to hear this. See, you're here. This is about you. So I'm going to pray for us that we will receive this and for you to know that you matter so much that God came on this earth and was crucified for you and to be able to receive that truth. So will you pray with me? Father, we come to you. We praise you, Lord. We want to more than just intellectually know you, Lord. We want this to be personal. We want to know you on such a deeper level, Father. So will you please remove all the things that tell us that this message is for anybody but us, Lord. I pray that some morsel of truth will come down and that we will experience you in a way that's supernatural, that there are no words for. That the Holy Spirit is invited into this. Let this be about who you say we are and not the world. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So every night when I'm driving home, I pass this high school and have this sign, this marquee. And for about a month, the sign said, service before self. Service before self. And I would have a little internal convulsion every time I saw it. And I know enough now that when something bothers me on that level that I'm meant to speak it from the stage. See, I think that's a horrible message. I know it's the message of the church. It might be the message of your family. But service before self, it's a horrible message, in my opinion. To me, it's service from self. How are you supposed to know the high calling, the priestly work that you're called to do if you continue to neglect yourself? Why can't it just be service and self? Why is it exclusive? Like, how are you ever going to make this personal with Jesus as all it is about is service and not about who he says you are? I think it's service from self that we are called to love the one that he loves. We know the greatest commandment that Jesus gave in Mark 12, 30. He says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Y'all, what if that was literal? What if that was true? What if the most you could do for someone else was the most that you let them do for you? I have a friend, and she's been married for like 30 years. God bless her. (laughs) She's got four kids. God bless her. And they're all grown. They're all adult. And so this is a true story. She told me that whenever she needs to take her car for an oil change or check engine light comes on or anything, she'll get her car there, and then she will literally run, like Macy was talking about, to where she needs to be, or she'll Uber. So she doesn't want to burden her husband or her adult children with a need of hers. But when they call her, any of the four call her, and they don't want to sit there for three hours getting the old change. She will come get them. She will sit with them or she'll give them her car. She will do something to make sure that they don't have to just sit there for three hours. What if 
This commandment was literal. And when her, her son called and said, Mom, will you meet me so I can, at the oil chain so I can get your car? And she went to say yes, and she couldn't because she won't let them do it for her. What if, if someone called you and said, hey, I have a medical procedure tomorrow. Will you pray for me? And you go to say, yes, you want to pray for them, but see, you won't tell anybody what's going on with you medically. So you've become paralyzed, and there's no way of you being able to be there for them. And I go a little deeper level of this. Think about this. If that got you and you thought, okay, well, I want to be able to be of service, be there for other people, so I'm going to shift that, I'm going to change let them do something for me is your motivation because it's that important to do something for someone else or is your motivation that you want your relationship with Jesus to be personal you see I get why this is so hard for us think about it when you hear self-centered self-absorbed self-pity self-focused self-indulgent all of that is negative connotation and then you walk into my psychotherapy office and I say, hey, how's your self-care? All we're taught is that self is wrong. You know, when I was drinking and drugging, people kept coming to me and they kept saying, hey, there's this God that finds you worthy and he loves you. He sent his only begotten son for you who was crucified and rose again. He left the 99 to come find you, Kim. He loves you that much. I was told over and over again for years that that's how much this God that I knew nothing about loved me. And then one day I said, yes, I agree. I don't know how I'm doing this, but I'm, I'm agreeing that if God says I'm worthy, I am. I believe that Christ died for me. I said, yes, I'm worthy of this. And the church told me, stop being selfish. Stop thinking about yourself. Go get on a committee. Go be of service. People in AA said, you better sit your butt down. You ain't got nothing to offer. They said, you don't know who you are. This is truth. So you better work the 12 steps before you go carry a message to anybody because you don't know who you are. I'm telling you, I was probably sober three or four months before I was promoted to clean up cigarette butts in the parking lot. True story. Because they didn't want me distracted by service. They wanted me to take the time to learn about the self. The self that God has sent his son for. They wanted me to know who she was. In AA, we get physically sober. I had to get physically sober first. And then it took a lot of effort and a lot of work to actually get to emotional sobriety. And what emotional sobriety is, it means that the people in your life that support you, the good people, that what they say about you, you agree with. That you are emotionally sober when you are able to agree with the compliments and the things that people see in you. Spiritual sobriety is when you're able to be in agreement with who God says you are. So there's... A man, his last name is Bernard, and he said it much better than how I just said it. But I got to tell you, <laughs> it's always makes me laugh. So he, got, he was given the status of saint, so he's Saint Bernard. <laughs> <laughs> it just cracks me up. Like, I've become five so fast. It's like, it's just hilarious. So in his quest of really learning about his love and who God said he is, he came up with four stages. And the first is that you love oneself 
for the sake of self. See, nothing in your life that you neglect will ever get to a higher level. You will never get to your best self if you neglect who you are. So it's about loving, loving oneself for the sake of self, of knowing who this is that God's so in love with. And as you move through these stages, the final stage is loving self for God's sake. It means you're going to take care of your emotional needs and your physical needs. You're going to be in prayer with him, be obedient to him. You're going to honor him because you want for him, you want to show him that you love him and you want to bring glory to his kingdom, that you love yourself for God's sake. Luke 19.10 says, the son of God came to find and restore the lost. See, I think if we're going to really understand what causes us to get so lost, we got to look at what, what happened that, that he needed to restore us in the first place. So I'm going to explain it to you this way. How many people know I have horrific handwriting? Yes, everybody. It's bad. Serial killer, like, yes, you know. It is really bad. God still told me to do this, so we'll let this be humbling. So we're going to talk about really your development, your sense of self. So this starts as a child. So when you have a child, which I don't recommend, but if you have, <laughs> just don't. They always want something. They bankrupt you. Like, just don't. But, so if you have a child, your development of that child is so that they will grow up to have a sense of self. The way to get from here to there, from the beginning, even from embryo, is about your needs. Physical needs and emotional needs. In the very beginning, it's very much about your physical needs. Right? That's why you shouldn't have children. You have to feed the child. You have to do this breast milk thing. I think it's disgusting, Linda Holtz. I think it's disgusting. I just do. She's a doula. Like, I think it's horrible. But... You have to feed the child, you have to give the child shelter, and it's about sleep, right? So that's your physical needs. But think about it, even now as an adult, what happens to you if you don't have enough sleep? You are not, your, you are not yourself, right? Some of you, when you don't have enough food in you, you are some mean, mean people. I mean, you're hangry, right? So your understanding of being able to connect to your sense of self has to do with physical needs. And as you get developed and your physical needs are met, it becomes about your emotional needs. Emotional needs are things like, I need to belong. I need to know them important. I need to be respected. I need to be seen. All those come to an understanding of the overall need of knowing that you matter. When your emotional and physical needs are met, your understanding of self, your definition of self is met needs. Here's the catch. Somewhere along the way, as you grow up, you will have a rejection event. So rejection, my definition, is the personalization of someone else's lack of acceptance. So if someone doesn't accept your beliefs, how you look, your last name, where you went to school, there's something about you 
that they are going to show a lack of acceptance towards, which doesn't feel great. But the problem is when you don't have a sense of self, if your emotional needs aren't met, you will personalize their lack of acceptance. And once you personalize it, then this now covers your emotional needs because you will not believe that you matter. So from that, the pain of rejection, shame and blame, as Macy talked about in Genesis 3, is born. So think of this. So if you have emotional needs, you need to know that you matter. There's something that happens. You get bullied. A parent prefers your sibling. Something happens, and you feel rejected. You can have something happen now, like your boyfriend breaks up with you. You don't get a promotion. What happens to you when you get really upset, when you feel rejected? What happens to your appetite? Either you eat everything in sight or absolutely nothing. What happens to your sleep? Sleep for days or you can't because you can't stop thinking about it. Right? So when we have some type of rejection, your needs get covered up. It's no longer about your needs. Shame comes in. Shame will tell you that something's wrong with you, that you're not good enough, that you deserve whatever it was that happened. You're not worthy. Blame will tell you you have to spend the rest of your life proving that you are worthy. And when we believe the lies that come from shame and blame from a rejection event, from that becomes rejection behavior. Because we are so much fear of ever feeling the pain of that initial rejection or rejection in our lives again, we will do just about anything to not feel that, and that includes rejecting ourselves. And so rejection behavior looks like over, overthinking, overcaring, over drinking, over Netflixing. There's no such thing as over shopping, whatever, <laughs> just my opinion. All right, it becomes over. You will underserve yourself. You will not, you will absolutely neglect your need, and it becomes about having some behavior so you don't feel rejected again. You'll think for other people. You'll be overly concerned. You'll jump at a need that they have because your needs aren't being satisfied. They're now buried underneath all of this. And when that happens, and you've got all this behavior going on, it develops a false self, a false self or lies. That you think that this is the most you'll ever feel or be. It means your needs are unmet and that you're actually doing behavior that keeps them unmet. I'm going to give you an example. I have a friend named Angie, and she gave me permission to share this with you. When she was in sixth grade, anybody want to go back to middle school? Anybody? No, I almost cussed. New, no, not doing it. But she was in sixth grade. Her life was fairly okay. She was in school, and all of a sudden, a bunch of kids started rumors about her doing sexual things with boys. At the time, she was innocent. She's not now, I'm telling y'all. But <laughs> in sixth grade, Angie was innocent. And she had no idea what they were talking about. She could not understand why they were ostracizing her. And now all these people who had been friends for years would now not talk to her. She's now thinking that she deserves them rejecting her. 
She goes in the blame, thinking, what do I have to do more? What performance do I have to do so that I never feel this way again? And so she went into overcaring. She did anything to get them to like her. She became overly kind. 30 years later, she's doing the same thing. She's now with her kids, with her husband, with coworkers. And so she's had to learn how does she actually consider what she needs for people in her life and not just let it be about them? If we're ever going to get out of this rejection behavior, and y'all can see what I drew. Shut up. That's the best I can do. <laughs> One minute. Jesus loves me. This Oh, wait. Wait! Intermission. All right, that's, that's... Thank you. Thank you, my people. My people. Thank you so much. If we're going to ever take these things that tell us that we're not who we really are, who God says we are, then we have to say, it is finished. We have to bring grace in. Otherwise, we believe the lies when we spend our whole life in behavior and performance instead of knowing and standing on God's character of who he says that we are. So if this is part of you and this describes you, we've got to figure out what do you have to stop doing? Angie's told me that someone will text her and then will say, hey, can I have a dollar? And she'll say, well, I'll give you $500. I'll wash your car, and I'll go get your groceries for you. And she's had to learn, when someone says, I have a dollar, she can check in and say, do I actually have a dollar? She gets to check in with herself, and then she gets to decide what would actually happen, what would she need to do in that moment to show that she's in agreement with God, that she matters. You don't have to jump at everybody's knee. I'll give you an example. There's this guy I know, and he loves his man cave. And so his wife will come to him and say, hey, will you go to Walmart with me? I mean, how exciting, right? Like, Skip, like, that's your favorite pastime, right? Like, how exciting. And so his thought is, like, well, I'll just, all right, she's my wife, all good. Well, without him, he's, she wants, you know why we want you to go to Walmart. We want to connect with you. So if you go and you're angry that you're there, there's no connection. It doesn't work. You have to actually, if you really want to be in the relationship, so the emotional needs actually let you be alive and connected in the relationship, you have to actually think, what do you need? He has a right to tell her, I need an hour by myself, and then if you still want me to go, I'll go. We have to consider the same one that God did. So what do you have to stop? What do you have to start? How do you start considering your needs, what can you do to show that you know that you matter? The second thing is, we got to figure out how to bury our rejection, not our needs. It is crucial that we isolate the cause of the behavior or the behavior will cause you to isolate. You can be in this entire crowd of people and still be isolated because all you're doing is thinking about what someone else thinks of you. We have to figure out what's the rejection events that's caused us to make it about behavior and not about who God says we are. 
And the third and the most important thing is receive. Receive. See, to me, grace, to put in a simple way, is God knowing I'm going to do things out of false self. I'm going to have over behavior. And when I get there, to be able to hear my Heavenly Father say to me, I get you. It's okay. You're still mine. I still love you. Grace means no matter what I do, that I still get to stand up and be resurrected in his love. John 1, 9 through 13. It says, he, Jesus, came to the world. And the world was there through him. And yet the world didn't even notice him. Is there anyone here tonight that knows what it's like to not be noticed? And that he went to his own people and they didn't want him. How many of you here have been rejected by your own family? They did it to Jesus first. And then it says, but you. Remember in 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10, it says, but you. This says, but you, if you if you believe that God is who he said he is, that he came to this earth and he did what he claimed that he would do, if you believe that, then you are reborn. And that he came here so that you would be your true self, your child of God self. He's called us to receive. If we're going to have a chance of just knowing that you are his instrument, that you came here tonight and you heard people speak out for him. Because we're called to go from rejected to accepted, from nothing to something, from lost to found. It means tonight we bury whatever it is that tells us we're not worthy of his love. It means tonight, the night that you don't have to be controlled by what someone else said about you. God says you're beautiful. It means that the lies that came into your life that caused you to hurt yourself don't have to be true anymore. So you can't really have self-harm because if you have self, there's no harm. You will never hurt the one that he loves. So get to know her or him. God sent his son for you. You matter that much. But you are the ones chosen by God. Thanks again for joining us. ICU Talks is a mental health ministry founded on God, education, validation, and community. ICU Talks hosts live events that occur on the third Tuesday of every month allowing people to come forward to share their authentic stories involving mental health in front of a live audience. Please subscribe to our podcast, and we'd be very pleased if you would leave us positive and uplifting comments. Keep in mind, all original ICU Talk sessions are available on YouTube, and for more information, please go to icutalks.org. It's been a pleasure having you join us today.